my bike is broken again. Your bike is broken again. What's I broken? replaced the front. I replaced the front tire, and now the rear tire is has a flat is flat. And I thought it was my fault. I thought I was like too enthusiastic or whatever. Yeah. Turns out that the the shop where I asked them to convert it to a tubeless setup. Um, yep. they kind of messed it up. Uh, and so they at the, in the end, they actually put a tube inside of the, of the, the tire, but then apparently they did not remove the, um, the fluid, like the tube, the tubeless fluid that is like supposed to, to glue everything together. And so what happens was there was like, there was like these granules of dried, sticky tubeless fluid in there. And one of them just like rubbed through the tire, uh, through the oh, tube no. basically. Are they going uh, to replace so, it? No, I'm, not, I'm never going going back there again. Like they are just That's fair. <laughs> like they messed up my tube set, tubeless setup, and then still charged me three hundred bucks for it. I mean, no, I just replaced I replaced the tube, but then the next day that tube was flat as well. So it might be that the actual rim is messed up and that's cutting into the tubes. Oh my, that's um, not good at all. So yeah, I have to I have to find that out. But so I went to the office today with the tram. Oh. But how are you finding the tram? Uh, it's fine. Like, that's the only place in Germany where I still have a mask mandate. So I kind mm-hmm. of feel safe there. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I actually, I, I get I get a lot of um, routine with like changing tires, like removing the wheels from the bike and adding it back in and like calibrating the brakes and everything. Like those kind of tasks, like I'm getting better and better at them. So that yeah. I feel more confident doing them, and that's that feels really nice. The only thing is, I just have to order new tubes, I guess. Um, oh. But yeah, it feels actually good to be like competent enough with the bike to to be like, oh yeah, I can change the tires, no big deal. I've got visions of you timing yourself and being like one of these people who can take a <laughs> you know a gun apart and put it back together in fifteen seconds. <laughs> um no it's more like five-ish minutes i think but still like i used to take an hour at least i think just because i had i had to redo everything 15 times yeah that's definitely going to be quicker than i could be i've I've got no idea what i'm doing with a bike yeah there's a lot of really good youtube stuff on 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 the internet or on youtube actually um there's this one uh youtube channel called park tools and they have this guy and he's like i don't know he feels like your stereotypical kind uncle he has a huge mustache and in a very <laughs> deep and very calm voice he tells you these are the tools you're going to need and look at your bike this is how you see what kind of um i don't know suspension you have so decide which one it is and then if it's this these are the steps here i'm going to do it very slowly so you can see it and it's very very wholesome it's very calming and it's very helpful too i mean they sell the the tools that's yeah kind of their deal but the the videos are amazing that's cool there's something to uh to crib from for your next yeah. uh, telemetry deck <laughs> i need to grow a big mustache first i was gonna say keep your beard keep the beard <laughs> Uh, for for any listeners that don't know, Daniel has a blue dyed beard. It's very cool. That is correct. Uh, and I have had that for over ten years now. Yeah, yeah. You look weird even. to me without it. I think, given what I know of you. Yeah. Um, 
I think in the summer of 2020, I actually did shave it off once. I frankly um, remember that. Yeah, and it it looked weird. Like I don't want to, I don't want to want to do that again. <laughs> but it was nice to see my to see that I have a chin. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out I actually have a clefted chin, chin which I didn't know. <laughs> You've not seen it for so long. Yeah. So so it's good to know, basically. Yeah. Oh. How have you been doing, mate? Honestly, I have been better, <laughs> as you. Yeah. You, you might have gathered from me tweeting, and I'm, I'm trying not to only tweet about COVID at the moment, but it's very much on my mind. Um, mm. Yeah, so I I had what we think was probably COVID at the end of March, and I still have a lot of pain in my legs at the moment as, a, as an after effect of whatever it was I had. Yeah, um, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. The doctor has said, given all the symptoms... And despite us having negative tests at the time and everything else, it probably was COVID. Like the tests aren't 100%. Um, so we're going with that. And yeah, I, I, I'm currently, I've been off work this week. Um, just while I kind of settle into a new regime of um, different medication. Just to sort of try and fix it. So <laughs> yeah, I've been better. Um, uh, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Um, I hope it'll it'll improve steadily. Well, I'm finding some relief with the the different meds that I'm I'm taking at the moment, so that's that's a positive. Um, right, and that's the good other positive, yeah, I was gonna say the other positive I take is that um, a lot of people report like brain fog and those sort of mental acuity sort of difficulties, and I haven't had that. I've just had the muscle aches and pains and, and sort of reduced mobility. Um, so I won't be bike riding with you anytime soon. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I'd love to uh, to be back to my sort of running regime that I was taking up earlier in the year. Um, but I can still code. Uh, so, you know, I'm still, still here for that. Um, it means I can still do my job and everything else as well when I've got the pain under control. Um, that's good that's good yeah and, and the hardest thing this week to be honest has actually been resting properly i am useless at resting uh, <laughs> so you can't sit still Nah, i i end up coding by default right this oh. is the reason i have side projects this is the reason i have you know go vj that i hack on um like it's just the reason I'm in the job that I'm in, as well as the you know iOS dev and things around it have been an obsession for like nearly ten years now. Um, right. So, yeah, I've been kind of literally banned from touching my Mac. This recording this show with you today, at the end of this week, has been the only time I've turned my Mac on since being Welcome back. sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going off again afterwards as well, and I'm going to go watch oh, some. That's good. Uh, Gonna watch some more better call Saul, um, which is a great show, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm just should I watch re- it? I, I would recommend it. Yes. Okay. Uh, if you enjoy Breaking Bad, um, or even if you didn't, to be honest, I think it's a better show. Um, okay, I'll, I yeah. might give it a try then. I have actually never finished Breaking Bad. I love the premise. Yeah. But I think when it came out, it just felt too too dark for me. Yeah, I or get too that. depressing. Yeah, and I wanted something light, maybe. 
And everyone uh, says it's a great show. So I think at some point I'll I'll want to watch it. But right now there's just too much too much TV. Not not yeah. enough time. So I would say Breaking not Breaking Miss. I would say that Better Call Saul beats the original show because there is more humor and there's better humor to be honest like breaking bad had its moments for humor as well um but it's um yeah somehow it's just a more how can i put it like i feel for me because it's got the slow pacing and the big cinematic stuff that they do um with the camera angles and all those sort of like really long shots and things it's like a sort of sipping whiskey kind of show for me (laughs) that sounds Uh, great yeah yeah and then you know, there's, there's the payoff as, as the characters develop and all of that as well. But anyway, that's been my life. So I've I've been sitting on my hands, trying desperately not to code. Uh, and I'm trying to think of what else has been going on since we last spoke, given this is a iOS dev show. But uh, I kind of fell into Mastodon a couple of weeks ago, maybe even longer. I have noticed and I've yeah. seen you on your on your various Mastodon accounts. Ah, yeah. Uh, which so, one is your main account right now? My main account is David Gary Wood, like all one word, the same as my Twitter handle, but then it's at social.davidgarrywood.com. Nice. So it's a bit of a mouthful to kind of like note down. It's not as snappy as just davidgarrywood at twitter.com, um, but it's mine and it's on my own and, domain um, yeah it's like your yeah. own domain like hi i am such a nerd that i am running my own mastodon in- instance yes yes well actually i'm running a non-mastodon piece of um fediverse software uh-huh. fediverse being the federated universe of these activity pub powered social networking sites Right, okay, so ActivityPub is the protocol, I assume, yeah, right? pretty much. And then so. Mastodon is the thing that is similar to Twitter in that it has, like, shorter posts and, like, a timeline. Yeah. So think of, and, it, as yeah. I understand it, if you think of ActivityPub a bit like um, email in a sense of you've got an inbox and an outbox for uh, messages coming to you from the people that you follow, um, or, or rather messages coming to you from anybody who's added you. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have an outbox when you send stuff to other instances as well. Uh, so it's working a, a little like email there. And then there's a whole load of other bits on top around like what the messages are, what the activity types are that can be sent to and from and that sort of thing too. Uh, you might be able to tell that although I've not been coding when I've been reading, I've been reading some reference docs. Um, and and so what are you actually running so i'm running an instance of uh pleroma p-l-e-r-o-m-a um it is lighter white than mastodon it's the closest i could find out of the options out there that seemed like a good idea for running on a small virtual private server so i'm using a well, I'm using a $10 Linode at the moment right. for it. Um, and it's running some other stuff as well. Um, you could probably run it on a $5 one. Uh, it's reasonably lightweight. Um, Mastodon has a bunch of other components, and obviously it's designed to be a proper sort of full-on Twitter replacement 
in a lot of ways. Like it's, it's designed for a scale of users. Um, for me, it eats too much RAM and I have no intention of having anybody else join me on my own server. Like that's the way that the whole thing works is I can be self-hosted and still talk to everybody on their own instances. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is that that's that's the bit that okay, attracts so me. Okay, I'm, so I'm looking at a screenshot, and it looks basically like Twitter circa 2011, I'd say. There you go. Yep. So I have like a timeline on the right, and then I have notifications on the left, and yep. that is basically it. Yeah. Okay, so what does Mastodon have that pleroma doesn't like um mastodon okay has, so, i don't know sorry. direct messages and stuff like that well they both have a concept of direct messages but it as i understand it those direct messages are not necessarily as um private as you might believe they could be so i'm sort of treating that that more like a it's a directed message rather than a private message if that makes sense um, right I think in some circumstances but I mean, it can still be public yeah. on some instances. I'm not too sure. Yeah, um, I get that. I mean, I'm kind yeah. of treating Twitter direct messages the same way. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the admins see all and the algorithm definitely sees all um, mm-hmm. for, for Twitter. But um, no, the thing with, with, with what I've got going on is that I'm enjoying it because the the people who are there are generally nerds, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's a, oh, there's yes. a there's a nerd filter on this stuff and there there is a bit of friction to going and joining it as well like you've got to pick an instance you've got to use a client or find a website you kind of have to know about it before you use it it's not really a a household name thing like a, a twitter or a facebook sort of became after a critical mass of users were there you know it was like oh you on facebook you know, became a, mm-hmm. a a normal conversation to have. Whereas, if I say to somebody, "Are you on Mastodon?" People are going to be like wondering whether what am I on about. Um, right. And actually, being on Mastodon isn't technically correct. It's about being on a a Fediverse network of any sort. You know, like I say, I'm not running Mastodon. You are I'm completely running. correct, but yeah, like every, yeah. every time someone says, "Oh, it's not Mastodon; it's Fediverse," like I think I, I have this image. Of someone saying like, "Oh, it's not uh, Linux; it's GNU slash Linux." Oh and God, it's it is. Arch, yeah, it it's is Arch that. Linux and, at that. <laughs> yeah, and actually, you were asking me a minute ago about what the difference is between Mastodon and everything else, and uh-huh. part of what it is is Mastodon has its own sign and authorization setup, I believe. Like it's using okay. OAuth, um, but it's got a set of APIs that sort of sit on top of the ActivityPub layer, and they're specific to Mastodon. And so for any other Fediverse-enabled server, they can choose whether or not to, to use the same sort of APIs or not. Like Pleroma kind of does, and that means I can sign into it with any Mastodon client as well. So I've got mm-hmm. a, a Mastodon account on another instance, and I have my own private, well not private, but my main account that is self-hosted, and I get to use the same client for both. And I can just switch between the two, nice and easy. But that nothing says that's how it has to be done. I mean, micro.blog, Manton Reese's project, mm-hmm. um, that supports Activity Pub, and technically you can speak oh. to people. Mm. Yeah. So that it's is there. cool. 
It's very cool. I thought it was its own thing. Um, but, but it is, and that's the thing, is I can't sign into micro.blog with a Mastodon client. Mm, okay. So I would have to use micro.blog's client or micro.blog's website. And that's fine. That's Manson's service. That is how it's intended to be. Um, but what it means is, is it can interoperate with these other services. So I could at Manson from my private hosted Pleroma instance, and he will get it on the other side over in micro.blog. That is pretty uh, neat. Yeah. Yeah, scrolling through like the Fetty, uh, the Pleroma blog, it mm -hmm. seems like you also need to be a cat girl to be using Pleroma. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a cat girl. <laughs> um, so, so this is the thing, right? A lot of these projects are very Linuxy. They are very open mm -hmm. source for open source's sake, and I get it. That's part of the culture that builds these sort of things, you know, in the first place. And some of that appeals, you know, like early internet culture is where I'm from. I am that old. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm looking at things like this and I'm thinking, well, um, I would love to have a Swift on the server set up that does a, pretty much a lot of what Pleroma does, has that interoperability with the Mastodon APIs so you can use any client with it. Because I mm -hmm. think that's actually reasonably important. That's why Mastodon is becoming the face of it, if you like, because it has that sort of ground, that market dominance in right. a sense. Um, but then something lightweight for a single user instance like me, something that means I could use um, SQL Lite for the back end if I wanted, because it doesn't need anything bigger. Mm -hmm. um, something that is designed to have a very tiny memory footprint, as tiny as possible, you know? Because uh, a lot of these things have very big memory footprints because they're designed for more users. And then there's also things like Elasticsearch for full text searching. And that can be a bit of a memory hog. Um, yeah. So, there, yeah, I, I, suffice to say, I'm kind of building this idea in my head a lot at the moment while I'm not coding. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking about Vapor, aka Swift on the server for for months now. Yeah, and you're just searching for the perfect the perfect opportunity to say like, oh, now I oh, I'm forced I'm forced to now I'm gonna have to write yes. this. So th there are a lot more practical reasons for me to get into Vapor, right? I could put a backend component to my existing apps, mm -hmm. like having something for people to share effect filters or presets in GoVJ is far more directly useful to me than, than something like this in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, but so, who knows? I'm, I'm sketching out this idea for something sort of single user-based for the Fediverse. Um, it would be built in Vapor. It would, would be built in Swift because this is me. But the reality is I won't be building that anytime soon. I'm making notes and I'm making plans and then some point maybe later in the year you might hear me go oh by the way i've just been playing with vapor and you'll be like oh i know what he's doing <laughs> and also like i mean making like thinking all these thoughts now and thinking about the architecture that's not wasted work it's it's like it's it's engaging and it's fun but it's also it gives you like it, it helps you when you later start or want to implement stuff yeah um so feddy is it all HTTP calls between the instances? 
I believe or so. Or are there like other protocols? So if it's for, all HTTP, it's kind of easy to write against the API, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, As far as I know, it is all HTTP. That's certainly what I've had to enable to make it work a few weeks mm -hmm. ago with Docker. Um, I think it gets different if you've got things like Elasticsearch turned on, then you've got that's doing its own thing and then talking to your server you can tell that's a side i've not bothered with so i just don't know mm -hmm. uh but i think server to server it's federated by http calls because i messed around a little while ago with a wordpress instance i turned on an activity pub plugin over there and it just worked in terms of it syndicated my posts through the activity pub side of things which meant that they could that it could be followed um, as if it was a, just another social media account through one of the clients. Um, Very cool. I was kind of yeah. expecting there to be like some HTTP streaming. No, what's it called? You know, like sockets. We yeah, web, web sockets. That was that's yeah. the word I was looking for. Um, so course, I was expecting there to be a bit of web sockets in there, but uh, yeah. if not, that makes everything way easier. Of course, if you ever want to implement that. There may be. Again, I've not looked to that depth in it yet. I am trying desperately to avoid falling down a coding hole this week because I just need yeah. to rest. But Please, please resist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. resist. Uh, but there could be. It would certainly make life easier for sort of saying, hey, I've got this this notification for this user your instance is following. You might want to go and refresh. I could imagine some of the server-to-server -server stuff using something like that on occasion but it could just be driven by a webhook you know i wonder if there's like a complete api specification i know you sent there me is. this document <laughs> you sent me this document and the title was basically this is not a document about how feddy works mm -hmm. it's a document about how to read the actual documentation and yeah. it was and long and I was like, okay, I'm closing this immediately and the actual documentation is the documentation is a uh, a bit of a minefield as well like this it's there and i mm -hmm. like I say when i'm feeling better i will read it and get through it and make my own notes and probably understand a fair bit of it but then there's also these little gotchas that that link was trying to explain which is like yes this is the spec but this is how it gets implemented uh <laughs> or this is what you can implement and you don't have to worry about these other bits unless you really want this or this um, okay. so, so it has sort of these degrees of adoption as well that you can look at. The, the WordPress plugin I mentioned to you is not a full adoption. and Right, it's just the, the bare minimum needed to have this kind of feature, right? Yeah, and it pissed me off a little bit, to be honest, because I just wanted to <laughs> post photos. I wanted a WordPress blog that had RSS and I could post photos to and people could follow it, you know, from one of their Feddy accounts or whatever if they wanted to. It's just another syndication. And I posted a couple of photos, and it was like, okay, they've not appeared in my feed. What happens if I post text? Oh, that that appears. Oh, okay. It appears. Like, what happens if I post text in an image? The text appears, the image doesn't, and a link gets posted back. And there's no way for me to configure this plugin to make it do anything other than that. And I was just like, oh, this is not what I'm after. Ah, um, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, so like I say, you find these edges of the things that are already there, and I think it's very much an area at the moment that um, 
it's working. There are plenty of tools out there to make this stuff sort of basically work. Um, I think you have to be a bit nerdy to really want to play with it at the moment. Um, but I think if you are technical at all, and most of the listeners of this show are, then I think there's mm-hmm. a benefit to checking out you know, the mainstream Mastodon app out of the App Store signing up to one of the bigger instances and just having an account there so you can add people and have a look. Like That is not actually that hard. Um, and it's not a direct replacement for Twitter, but there are conversations going on there that I think could be quite useful to people. I'd like, I, I've been finding it interesting in terms of um, people will go from naught to technical quite quickly. And oh, there, yeah. <laughs> there's a sort of quite helpful attitude, though, because of what it is. And whereas I sometimes find Twitter can be, people are always looking for the gotcha and the ability to sort of put somebody down for clout. And so far, I'm not seeing the same sort of stuff over in the Mastodon side of things. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I like both. And I think Mastodon has a very different feel. And not everything about that is perfect. It's not the perfect utopia. No, it's Um, not at all. There um, are some hellish, hellish instances as well, full of really awful people. That, um, and yeah. because basically every person on Mastodon is, uh, uh, I'm overgeneralizing, of course, but every person on Mastodon is into Arch Linux or <laughs> has a very complicated gender. Or both. There's a bias. There's a bias of stuff um, going on there for sure. And that... Um, that is super awesome because I, f- I feel like I'm fitting right in there. Mm-hmm. But um, it it dominates the conversation sometimes. It does. And so and it, I, the, dom- the, the conversations are very different. And sometimes if you have a more mainstream um, interest, you might not find, you might not find uh, your group immediately. It might take some, some searching or yeah. you'll just have to start posting about your special interest. Without um, finding too many friends to talk about that at the beginning. That's it. That's it. But what I am finding is that the people there that are talking about the things I'm interested in, stuff like iOS dev and the rest of it, um, are, like I say, just just so free with their conversation. I mean, the Twitter community is as well. Uh, But I'm finding because people are there because they really want to be there, there's there's this sort of yeah different nuance to the conversation if you like right um but you're right it's got its biases and i think this is a case of watching something that is still kind of feeling like it's in its early days i mean i've analogized what i love about it though is that it's not trying to be twitter It's, it's something different and that's really refreshing and that that's why it's okay to have an account in both i think right you know you know it's not either or and i'm Sometimes I'm posting the same things to there as the other, and sometimes not, and that's okay. Yeah. That's it's like you can run it however you want to run it. Um, there are things in the Mastodon side of things that are normal, like people will put disturbing content behind filters, like content warnings. Uh, I miss that when I go back to Twitter. Like oh, you yeah. notice how loud Twitter is comparatively. Oh yeah, um, but. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not either or, and I think there's fun to be had in exploring something that's in its early days like this. I mean, Mastodon and, and the Fediverse stuff has been around for a long time already. 
I suspect Activity Pub goes back probably 10, 15 years at least in one form or another because I'm sure it was used for driving comments way back when on blog posts. I think that was part of the original use. I can't remember. <laughs> but, I did not um, know that. Mastodon, I see stuff going back at least as far as sort of 2016, if not further. Again, I've not explored that far. Um, you know, I'm not really interested in what it looked like then. In a lot of ways, I'm mm-hmm. interested in what it looks like now. But if you think about what email will have looked like at the beginning, I feel like this is a bit of that. Yeah. Um, and a bit of Usenet. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and you know, I've been missing that side of the net. I feel like that's been killed off in the last few years. And, yeah, and my, my strategy is kind of I have a thing that posts everything that I post on Twitter. It will also copy it over on Mastodon. Yep. But then I will also post things directly to Mastodon. If, if they're like, I don't know, I, I seem to be trying to cultivate a certain persona on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And if stuff doesn't fit into that, because sometimes I will be posting, I, I feel like posting like five things in a row, mm-hmm. or it'll be like a super, super ultra nerdy niche joke. Or just a very bad joke, to be honest. <laughs> um, then it'll just land on Mastodon right now. Yeah. Or something that needs a content warning because, like, those content warnings are just incredibly useful. Like, I was they are. skeptical at first, but um, just like you, you, just like something that's that's maybe negative or slightly uh, surprising or something. You just add a content warning on top of that, and it gets auto hidden. Um, yeah, for people who don't want to see that, and they have to like at least click once to see, it. and that's kind of nice. Yeah, um, it is. It is. even I though would... sometimes it will, um, I I might be misunderstanding the user interface there, but sometimes, for some clients at least, um, it will slap a, a big fat NSFW over images that I post, and then it's just a selfie, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I mean. I think that I'm good looking, but I'm not that good looking. It should only do that if if you flagged it as sensitive, I believe. Yes, yeah, sensitive. Yeah. If you just give it a content warning, it should still it should just it, put it that. It might depend on top. my client. I'm using the yeah. um for iPhone I use toot exclamation mark. Okay. I haven't even I had to, like I started using that before the official Mastodon app came out. So maybe yes. I'll have to give the official Mastodon app a try. Anyway, apparently some client doesn't say this image is sensitive, it says this image is not safe for work. <laughs> and so hilarity ensues. There are a lot of these variations of things and and if you remember the you know, old internet, this is like IRC clients back in the day as well, you know. Um, oh, I, yeah, I feel like most, days. you probably used MIRC if you were on Windows. Um, and then I remember, you know, finding out about Linux and then realizing people were using a lot of different things um, over in Linux. Oh, yeah. I used some kind of like console based IRC client on Linux. And then on Mac, there was a Soliloquy. Yes. Which I was that. a really nice Mac app. And a bit later on, there was Lime Chat as well. I used that for quite a while. Okay. Um, and it was super annoying that as soon as you logged out, you couldn't see anything. So that's why why Slack was so cool back then, because it was <laughs> like IRC, but it, the stuff, you, like people chatted while you were gone, 
was just there anyway. Yes. Yeah, which is now like table stakes for anything social right. in that sort of way. Uh, yeah, there's also, aside from all this Fediverse stuff, there is also things like Matrix, which is a modern day chatting setup. Um, similar to IRC, but it also has persistent data. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I'm finding that comes hand in hand with a lot of these things because it's the same sort of ethos. So I've I've got a client that I'm using for that, and um, I check in on a few of those those groups every so often. Um, not finding it as immediately useful as any of the Slacks or Discord type things I'm in or or whatever, but it's interesting. You know, it's interesting in a sense of there's still these means that people are using to to connect that are not massive services that are centralizing yeah. everything. I mean, these kind of things, they have their own costs that you pay. Like for everything that is like mainstream, you basically pay with either your data or your money yep, um, or your attention, I guess. Your attention's the biggie, yes. And with these things, you kind of have to pay because in a way, because you, like, you have to do some more work to get actually get it to work and the yes. user interface might not be as polished. But I mean, there's a lot of upside as well. Like... Um, especially for uh, if you belong to other underrepresented groups or something like there's usually way more a welcoming community there yeah yeah for sure and i think this is the thing i'm looking at this and i'm going well yeah maybe i'll build something that lets me have a single user instance that works in vapor you know it's going to be mm -hmm. programmed in swift and a language i'm very happy using uh i reckon there's probably the ability to get it to be quite performant as well that's something you can clue me in on a bit but i feel like oh it's like it's very performant yeah and, and you know i look at some of the languages don't get me wrong i'm not trying to diss on any particular other language but i've looked in the source code of some of these other projects and and um i'm looking and going oh that feels like it's lost a lot of the the safety that swift seems to have or just the structure And I think this is this this is going to be, you know, one of those lost in translation moments. Like if I was well versed in those other languages, I'm sure Swift would then read weirdly to me. Right. Uh, so the, the telemetry yeah. API main server is it has like two cores, like this a very small VM. Yeah. And the um, the the binary that's running the API is using uh, two point two percent CPU, five percent RAM. 5% of uh, 4 gigs. Wow, okay. What's that, so, like 200 meg? Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, it's very small. And, like, it's, it's, it's like this, this server is pretty active. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So the bottleneck is usually database or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the thing. I reckon for a single user instance of one of these things, it's probably possible to get it down to... To quite minimal usage. Oh yeah, um, like I mean, it's it doesn't it just just because this is not uh, this is actually compiled. It's not there's no interpreter or any or anything. And I say that as a huge Python fan, but like there's a cost you pay in CPU time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I guess I'm just wondering, like you know, what other uses could something like this be put to as well? This is mm -hmm. this is the bit that really gets my mind ticking. I guess. Um, especially if you've got something that is, is 
extensible in some fashion. Like, I guess what I'm thinking of in my head is like, okay, if there's this framework or SDK that can be just sort of dropped in that does, you know, your basic your user authorization using these APIs, it does your federation to other places so that you can publish posts, right? Brilliant, off you go. But you want to wire it up to something that's doing something a little bit different. Um, I think there's opportunity for that too. And just as an example of what I was thinking, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about how discovery for new music on non-Spotify services kind of sucks in comparison. It's oh, something yeah. Spotify is really good at, right? It's their killer. I switched from Apple from Spotify to Apple Music, and that yeah. is the one feature that I really, really miss. It gets a little better over time. Like Apple Music dials in a little bit. But it's still not as good. Yeah, um, but then it all only gives me like I listen to a lot of um, I don't know breakbeat music from the 2010s, and then mm -hmm. it only gives me more breakbeat music from the 2010s. Whereas Spotify would be give me like new and current music that just came yeah. out that would still somehow like fit into it, like or be related to that. Yeah, no, I hear and, you. And actually, I listen to a lot of breakbeat music from back then as well, so <laughs> it's quite close to my heart. But um, no, I hear you on that. So discovery is a hard problem, right? And in some ways, it reminds me of timelines as well. So mm -hmm. in Spotify's case, it's got a very good algorithm, right? And it's like having a, you know, a, a Twitter home timeline that actually did what you wanted it to do. <laughs> um whereas the the Fediverse stuff is like having a latest tweets that stays put and really does what you want it to do. Yep. And then Apple's kind of got this this it's not even got either of those really with what it's giving you. It's sort of somewhere around the latest tweets with a few recommendations in terms of like latest music and here's a few mm -hmm. things that are related to the things you listen to that maybe you like. It's still not very good. Um so I was thinking, okay, Fediverse, how would you approach this? If you could have one of these sort of sites that is literally just based around a band having a profile and posting only when they've got new music, and you could encode the posts in such a way that they, you know, they've, they've, you could have some sort of order to what's posted in terms of the links are going to be links out to various music services where these things can be found, um, and there's enough room there you can post like five thousand characters so there's enough room for some blurb and a picture right mm -hmm. and then if i want to follow my favorite bands and put them on a list i can do that right in, in any of these clients and then i can see when they've got new stuff out because that's the bit i miss i'm not going to go and check half a dozen bands websites even right let alone the hundreds i might want to listen to um right. I'm also not going to add myself to to mailing lists or any of that. So okay, there's there's this thing, and and actually, okay. So then you think, well, how would you get a band onto that? Well, maybe this is community run, and actually your top fans do these posts, and there's some sort of rule as to what can be posted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but bear with me. But conceptually, it's possible to do, right? It's just that. You know, maybe the tools yeah. at the moment are not, hard. not that... Ex yeah. It would be hard to just get like get critical mass for users. But, yeah. But um, that's where a Wikipedia yeah, approach could probably do it, right? Where you've got your super fans 
run the accounts until a band mm-hmm. wants to take it over. But I, I completely agree that this is like uh, cool new technology or not even new, but like cool technology that's being discovered more and more. Yeah. And we could build cool stuff with that. Exactly. And, and I guess anyway, what I was I'm, thinking is you could I'm build closing, a I'm even. closing my SSH connection again. <laughs> can you hear my keyboard, by the way? I can. I can <laughs> the loudest keyboard. keyboard ever now. I'm going to tell you more about you it. You need to tell me about that. So let's get off the 30 verse because um, I could... Sp- like I say, this it's sparking ideas for me, but they're not necessarily good ideas yet, you know, and I'm all aware of that. But I think there's a lot of fun could be had over there. So that's why I'd recommend it to somebody at the moment is just have fun, have a look. But yes. Uh, your loud seconded. keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a, this is actually um like a roller coaster. So I am in generally in general, I am a huge fan of Apple keyboards. Uh, what I like about them is that they're flat and that they're quiet. Um, yeah. I even liked the butterfly keyboards. Um, okay. Somehow they, like, I had multiple. They, for, for me, somehow they never failed. So I was, like, super lucky. So that's why I yeah. like them. And I love the way they feel when I type on them, even though most people disliked the feeling. I disliked. That, uh, it was the first the key, keyboard the... I put a hole through the key. <laughs> like most people dislike that the keys barely move and like this is for me is like perfection like i feel that i've pressed the key and that's enough but the the current um generation of apple keyboards uh, that move like about a millimeter or so they're also very good like i like them and i have or used to have until two weeks ago um one of them one of the apple magic keyboards uh, from I want to say 2018 or so. So they're already the wedge shape. It has uh, lightning, so it auto connects if you plug it in, and then you can can unplug it and it works. Yeah. And I love that keyboard. It's very very nice. And so recently, I um, someone gifted me a bag of lemon tea mix or something like that, and I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm just gonna do put that into my cup and drink it next to my computer the way I usually drink coffee. Oh, I'm getting a feeling here. <laughs> and I have to add, like, uh, the last time I, I, I uh, like, spilled anything into a keyboard or a computer or whatever, that was, like, literally 20 years ago. So I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm really careful with uh, beverages and stuff like that. But yeah. I chose a cup that uh, that is kind of prone to prone to falling over Uh-oh. and um i did something that made the cup fall over i think i had my headphones on leaned back and then that the cord kind of kind of threw it over and i would have been able to catch it um or the catch the the fluid before it reached the keyboard but it was like Usually, I like my the back of my mind was kind of expecting coffee to come out of that, and coffee would have been very visible on the uh, light mm-hmm. wood desk surface. But okay. since the thing was a clear liquid, I didn't actually see it. So this wasn't um, so much a gift of tea as a booby trap. It was, yeah. And the thing is, this thing was this stuff was sugary. Oh no! And um, so basically, I like the the cup was uh, like so i i kind of threw the cup over um just glanced at it 
my brain is like, okay, there's no coffee visible. So there's, so everything is good. It was just empty because sometimes an empty cup sits next to my keyboard. Yeah. And so I, I leaned back again and continued browsing TikTok basically until three minutes later when I grabbed my keyboard and realized it is soaked. Oh, no. Oh, my and word. Right, so you're that's one of those moments Apple when your heart just sinks. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dude, yeah. what did you do? Um, what I did, like, so the first thing I did was I immediately, like, turned it over so as much of the tea could, like, spill out again because it was just yeah, yeah. collecting in the, in the inside the, the frame, I think. Uh, I turned it I'm off. I'm trying not and... to laugh at your predicaments. I'm sorry. That's not very <laughs> kind of me. <laughs> no, no, no. It is completely okay to laugh about me because, um, yeah, I mean, I was kind of overdue for that. I guess, um, yeah. I'm yeah, looking at uh, my desk at the moment at everything I've got on it and thinking, yeah, I'm overdue. I better not laugh too much. So now I've switched back to the telemetry deck cup, which is like a complete cylinder, very squat cylinder. And yep. so it's almost impossible to uh, to topple it. Um, anyway, we'll link so those I, in the show notes. <laughs> they're actually not available for sale, but I should probably do that. You should. I'd buy one. I, nice. I, like, I like your little icon. Um, apparently the shop where I made them, they actually, they offer print to order, so... I'm, I'll I'll think about it. Okay. Um, anyway, so I, I I turn it over. I um I, I let everything like flow out again, and I put it into a um a towel, and let it just rest for a few days. Um, and I was very like I I didn't really think that would help. Like I was like very disheartened. I was like, okay, this this keyboard is just gone, and then. A few days later, like I, I got some cleaning solution, uh, some like one of those computer cleaner solutions, and some paper towels, and I started cleaning the thing as best as I could, and outwardly it looked completely fine. So I was like, okay, let's try this. And I'm just gonna like press one key um, before even turning it on, just like getting the key feel, and I was expecting like this a disgusting stickiness, but like it just clicked normally like like it was it felt like okay. okay this is a new keyboard basically yep yep so i'm like okay okay this is nice so I, I i turn it back on it connects to the computer and i start using it and it just feels like feels normal like and i'm overjoyed i'm like oh wow this is so cool i i didn't pay the price for my clumsiness <laughs> and it took about half an hour to an hour of typing and then the stickiness appeared. I don't know uh, how or why. Maybe there was like a layer of stickiness at the bottom of the thing, but it sounds like after it's, it's an there hour, and it's warmed up. Yeah, yeah, after an hour, the keyboard was unusable. Like the keys wouldn't come back up. It was it was like a very very disgusting feeling, just like very okay. mushy. And so I'm like, okay, this keyboard is probably dead. Yep. Um. And I posted on Mastodon actually about uh, my predicament and um, what will Mastodon people rec recommend to you? The loudest, clickiest uh, keyboards, of course, and the one with like replaceable keys and they cost like 180 <laughs> euros and stuff like that. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not going to spend 180 euros. Like I'm in, I'm in money saving mode. Like all my money is going into the company. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
okay. I'm not uh, <laughs> so I'm not going to buy a 180 also your, your beard is not long enough your beard is not long enough for this situation. also if I have 180 euros I'm just going to buy the new Apple keyboard with the fingerprint sensor because I'd really like to have that same because uh, my laptop is in clamshell mode so I'm not able to reach the fingerprint thingy yeah and that would be so cool uh so anyway i kind of dismissed the idea outright but then like three of my friends like friends were like pestering to me me like for days like okay you can look at this keyboard um and the, and and i was like okay but they are also way too high like these keyboards are like three four centimeters high and um and they were like yeah but you can add these different keycaps and they're slightly less high and whatever um and I kind of dismissed the idea outright. Um, I I used the laptop keyboard for a while because, um, and I, I, I used I, I basically I used yep. the opportunity to just work on the on the terrace for a bit, anyway. And uh, after a few days, I I kind of felt like, oh, okay, I'm gonna look at those links again. Like a few of them I dismissed because um, they they weren't the kinds of keyboard that I wanted. A few yep. of them I dismissed because the name was uh, racist. <laughs> Really? Like there's a keyboard brand. Well, not, I don't know, racist maybe not, but um, there's a keyboard brand that is, uh, I forgot the exact name, but it's basically a um, gaming PC master race. Right. Which is a reference to a YouTuber called, mm-hmm. uh, I want to say Zed Shaw, who is... Okay. Um, not like he's not known for being racist or whatever. I think like, he used the term. He used the term um, as like um, in as, as, in an ironic way, basically. But it kind yep. of spawned a whole thing. Like uh, it was That's, like Gamergate yeah. times, basically. Yeah, and, like, and, and you <clears> can't <throat> even be ironic at that point because all of those people just latch onto it. Yeah. So there's like a yeah. subset of like PC gaming fans who use the term unironically and feel really good about it. Yeah. And apparently then this brand try, uh, like wanted to jump on often um jump onto that trend and just market to these people and I feel like if you have the term master race in your brand name you will not get me as a customer. That's fair. That's and fair. They seem to I, I, they seem to have rebranded so they just have the initials now but uh no. Mm fair enough not enough for um, me and also the keyboard is like 150 years um so but so i was like uh, but then this one friend um yo he he sent me this this link to these just keycaps and i kept looking at these keycaps and they're like um they're very like tiny height wise and um they were like really cute they were like white and yellowish with like japanese um lettering on on some of them and i was like oh this is cute and this is cool and they had in their uh on their amazon page they had like a a a keyboard with them and at first i thought oh this is a keyboard i can buy and it's only 30 bucks but no it's just the key caps and i was like Mm. oh that's what i want like it was not even very high the whole thing was tiny and cute okay Um, so this is looking good so I was like, okay, but like, so this is just the keycaps. I I need one of those keyboards, and the keyboard bodies are um, the expensive thing, and they also take weeks to deliver apparently. Yeah. And 
So I, I was just aimlessly clicking around on Amazon until I found um, just in the related items for, for the keycaps, I found a keyboard and it was like, I want to say 30 to 40 bucks. Okay. And this is the keyboard that you hear in front of uh -huh. me now. So what does a 30 to 40 buck keyboard get you at this point? Or keyboard <laughs> base plus those keys? No, it's not even the base. It is the base plus keys. It already has keys. It's all inclusive, okay. everything. So if you want to put the other ones on, you've got to pop them off. Uh, yes. So I haven't actually bought the cute and tiny keycaps. Okay. Um, instead, I just ordered the keyboard. It arrived a day later. All good. All good. Uh, let me describe this thing to you. It's, it's uh, a... 60 or 61 key keyboard so the keyboard lovers will know what this means this means that it's very tiny so it has um no f keys and it's all very compact okay um it also this keyboard also but also like they, i didn't realize this when i bought it because i was like oh yeah it has arrow keys whatever the arrow keys are um like double booked so the up arrow key is also the forward slash key oh so to to type up up arrow i have to tie uh to press the fn key and then the forward slash key damn that is compact um yeah uh it has a a cord doesn't like it said bluetooth on the thing but i haven't been able to actually get this thing to do bluetooth Okay. Uh, so in the box there was this keyboard, and there were two very, um, very complicated looking tools to remove the keycaps and the <laughs> switches to yeah. replace them if I wanted to. It also has lights, so I can configure it to light up. Um, the first thing that I noted, and I'm gonna I'm gonna send you this image um, later. The first thing that I noticed, I hadn't really noticed the brand name of the thing because it's just one of those like um, brand names that change on Amazon every now and then. But it's like emblazoned or stenciled into the keyboard, actually. I'm going to spell it out. It's D-I-E-R-Y-A. That's there's only yeah, there's a few different ways to pronounce that and not all of them are good. I think <laughs> this is this is diarrhea. Like or, I have a or, diarrhea or, or, or keyboard now. Like uh, maybe they were going for Daria. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Daria. Oh dear. Um, Daria. Yeah. Uh, hmm. <laughs> so this is the. So my keyboard is the is the Diarrhea DK sixty one. It says on the bottom. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, DK sixty one. Uh, there's DK61E on the website, I can see. Okay. Is it a USB-C keyboard? It is. Yeah, I think it's probably the same then, right. to be honest. And so, uh, and, and, and inside the box, there was also a card um, that gave you like about 20-ish key combinations that you could put, uh, that you could input to put the, the keyboard into various modes. Like, for example, <laughs> if you want to use this on a Mac, you have to type, uh, press the FN key and then type V to switch it to Mac mode. And you have to do it every time you wake your Mac from sleep. Otherwise, what? it will be in Windows mode. Why? Um there is also a, a different mode that I don't understand that produces very weird glyphs. Um, 
sometimes some uh like i haven't understood all the modes there's also another card with about 40 or ish uh key combinations to type various uh special characters because like all the keys are double booked right but most of yep. them are just like yep. press fn and then the the secondary symbol that's on the key so that's not so really a problem i'm not seeing um, one thing in the spec i can see here it's past yeah. the uh ipx4 water certification oh so that's good for you the can next use that uh, cup and drink that tea incident. next to it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so it's also very high. Like I, I'd say it's about three centimeters high, which is two point eight centimeters higher than I'd like it to be. This is not sounding ideal, Daniel. This is not sounding like what you really wanted. It's not uh, like I'm. It's I'm not used to this. Is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. The backlighting is really cool, actually, and I can say that unironically because you can put this in various modes. Like you can put it in the mode where it's just like. A, singular color and just like slight backlighting like um like a mac keyboard basically yeah um you can have it like cycling through the colors slowly or quickly and that was like too too much for me but i found a mode and that's really like it's it's super fun actually so when i press a key it will light up the keys around around that key and then travel across the keyboard from them from that so if i type a if I if I press a key on the left hand side, there would be like a wave of light like going from left to right over the keyboard and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. Um, yeah, that is I, fun. I unironically love that. And it's like very colorful because I just set it to all the rainbow colors. And yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, and another quirk of this keyboard is that I cannot type the number six with it. That's odd. and it's not a hardware thing because i then found out that if i type very quickly five six seven then it says five six seven that's the thing that i'm typing in but if i just type a six just nothing happens but i then found out that if i if i push number five and then keep pressing number five then i can type as many sixes as i want uh, so it's not an angle thing or a sensor thing. It seems no. to be a software thing. That's weird. You must like, need... I, there must be a different combination or something to put it into, like, anti-six mode. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you how do you find it is actually just to type on when you're coding? I mean, sixes aside, um, is it better, worse? Like, so everyone with a fussy keyboard is always telling me, try one of those. They're so amazing. Um, I have, um, I, I was very skeptical because they are very loud and they seem yeah. unergonomic just f- from height wise. Um, yeah. But uh, so because of the keyboard situation, I was willing to try it out. And my verdict for myself is it, it feels good to type code on this. It actually does, um, okay. um, except when it gets itself in, into one of the, the weird modes. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if I if I were to use this for a longer time, then I would need a, a armrest or something because I think it's unergonomic to use it without one. Yeah. And right. um, I, I miss the Apple keyboard. Okay. Um, Oh, especially with the arrow keys, you know, like I use arrow keys a lot because I'm on the console, like you you, you take up arrow or you use them to navigate through code Same, or yeah. um, 
with uh, GitHub Copilot or Fish Shell, you use like right arrow key to autocomplete. Um, and so yeah. like I, I've kind of started training myself to, to just push FN before typing the right arrow. So I that's, don't think that's, I could get there. I think that would really... But it's, it's actually a me. lot of friction. Yeah. yeah. So it is fun for right now, but the plan is to actually just eat the cost and buy the fingerprint keyboard yeah um and yeah <laughs> but this has been my excursion into uh into into fussy keyboard land oh also <laughs> like the the, the 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 sheer volume of typing on this is it's, it's so sometimes loud. it's distracting me like um yeah sometimes i think to myself can the neighbors hear this um <laughs> Yeah, and these are um, these are brown switches, by the way, for the keyboard lovers. I, um, I, I think brown switches are not the loudest ones. So I'm loud when I type. I mean, I mentioned putting my key, finger through one of the keys. I mm -hmm. wore down the command key mm -hmm. um, on the 2017 MacBook Pro that I had when I worked at Paperkite. And I wore a hole through it within 18 months. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I type heavy. Uh, is the only thing there and i'm actually looking at my my own magic keyboard at the moment that doesn't have the uh the touch id button um and i can see that the command key on the left hand side especially has the the m's in the middle have been worn out like they're, <laughs> they're just they're just starting to fade um so i type heavy and you know i try not to but it is what it is and right so I could not use a mechanical keyboard. I'd be too loud for everybody in the house, I think. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I'm actually a light typer, but this keyboard is making me... Uh, it, it's making me type very heavily as well. Like, it feels like a typewriter. <laughs> so, yeah, if that's for you, that's cool. Uh, get the Diarrhea DK61. <laughs> it's probably not for me. So the plan is... Um, you might have seen it on the on the social media everywhere basically uh we recently incorporated telemetry decks so it's now an llc or the yep. german equivalent yeah so this company will is now my employer and my Ooh. employer will have to buy a new keyboard for me i think you need the right equipment to work on you need to do that yeah for sure <laughs> and also that company will now have to buy my computer which is uh, from the previous um company structure which is super weird but somehow that's the only way to do that so then it's in the ownership of yes i guess of yeah. The, yeah and <laughs> because uh, we now have um i don't know if there's an english equivalent uh but it's basically a weird sort of hybrid between freelancing uh for multiple people so basically if multiple freelancers work together they can form this this sort of um entity so that's what lisa yeah. and i are doing now but okay. we're going to close that entity and the easiest thing is to just completely shut that down and fund the new llc so that's what we're doing yes. but then the old entity needs to sell the, the laptops to the new yes, entity 
they do and, wish before you close it you've got to do that um, yeah and the tax office i've been told the tax office will look at the prices for these things so we can't just just sell them for one euro or something it has to no, be a this, realistic price this is where you actually need a um an accountant probably to help you to be honest yeah i have you. one actually yeah, yeah. Or we or we have one but so yeah it's it's all it's all like planned out now yeah but the big, it's just weird that this laptop will just stay here yeah it doesn't go anywhere it's just on paper who it belongs to changes it doesn't go anywhere but there will be an invoice yeah yeah and then you know with the right accountancy there may be a way of making that effectively a neutral transition right yeah that's that's probably how it, how it will turn out like these yeah. accountants are very smart and yeah. capable and friendly I remember, I remember way back when I incorporated RoboHeads in the UK for my app business, mm-hmm. and um, essentially I bought a keyboard during the time that I was sole trading before that, mm-hmm. and that we did a similar thing with that. Um, I was there was not enough money to really warrant keeping everything perfect. If you know, like if an invoice had been needed, I would have had to have done it. We didn't do that. Um, but the accountant included it and brought it into the cost of the company, like one of the, mm-hmm. the costs there. And then um, also we we added up everything I kind of paid in already um, so that I'd effectively loaned the company and it starts up time that money. This is all above board. This was like, you know, the accountant's like, this is how we do this. You put all this money in. This is effectively a loan to the company. The company was getting set up. You've now incorporated. This is how we apportion this and this. But the amount I'd loaned was like the the, the laptop was included within that. If that makes sense. Um, nice. This is a long time ago now, but this is what I mean when I can imagine in your situation there'll be a way of doing this that is, you know, effectively cost neutral. It's just about putting the right money in the right, you know, columns in the sheet. Um, yeah that sounds like that yeah anyway so that's my my keyboard uh (laughs) i i think i'm gonna keep it though like i don't know what i'm what i'm really doing with it but it is i i don't want to like i don't think i could sell it really because like um well how much how much money do you want for it maybe six euros Mm, yeah but my postage to new zealand is gonna be uh be quite a bit um yeah you can get custom keys for these things so what you could do is you could turn it into um some sort of launcher maybe oh yeah the only trouble is obviously that the mac is going to recognize it just as the keys um yeah but i'm sure there's a way around it yeah uh, the question is how much tinkering do i want to do you really want yeah and i mean I mean, I'm kind of thinking like, oh, maybe I should like, because th- this all started, like me getting this keyboard started with me wanting to have these specific keycaps. Yes. And so, um, by, by the way, hey, hang on, you won't be able to hear anything because I'm typing Amazon <laughs> because I want to I wanna show you the keycaps. So I'm going to send you a link. We can include them in the show notes as well. Yeah, go for it. Um. I love that. Our chat log is just full of all these bits where you've typed like five six seven five six 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 six. Okay. Here you go. Okay. Um, so anyway, so I might. I don't 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 know if I can 
I don't know if I can if I can really justify the cost, but I might just get these keycaps just to try them out because they are so adorable. They are very very cute. There, um, yeah. You, listeners are going to have to check this out. I'm looking at keycaps that have animals on them, and they have um, it's like Japanese letters along with um, English alphabet. They have various uh, pictograms, all related to bees and honey and stuff, because it's nice and honey yellow color. <laughs> it's a very specific setup, but it's very cute. It is, yeah. So, um, so I don't know if the fancy strikes me, I might get those anyway, and yep. I don't know what I would use it for, <laughs> just to have, I guess. Yeah, yeah, or for those moments when you want a typewriter kind of feel. Yeah, but um, for like actual work, I think I need I need the keyboard that makes me happy, which is not this one. No. Yeah. Well, on that note, Daniel, I think I am going to have to uh, to get on with my better call Saul and resting on this side. Oh yeah, that's very important. Yeah. And I need to go to bed. This is true. It's late on your side. Um, but before we go, where can people find you? Oh, yeah, you can find me at Break the System on Twitter or on Mastodon. You can find me at Break the System at mstdn.io or you can find the code that I've hacked into various keyboards at telemetryduck.com. Telemetry Duck. Okay. Yeah. You're quackers. <laughs> you can find me over on Twitter at David Gary Wood. And over on Mastodon or the Fediverse, even, you can find me at David Gary Wood at social.davidgarrywood.com. I'm soon going to get sick of that URL. So maybe it's I'll get so amazing, shorter. though. It's, it's cool that it's mine. I do appreciate yeah. that. David, this has been this has been an absolute blast. I, I love these. I love these podcasts. By now, I'm just like really happy every time we're recording one. Likewise. So, yeah, see you in two weeks at the latest and have a great day. Yeah, I think next time we'll be looking forward to WWDC. It's soon coming Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Catch you then. All right. Bye.